Is the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Live from the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. It's time for your daily assist. Let's dig right into it. A lot to talk about with Sam today. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic. Sam Amick on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Sam, how you doing? You had an interesting week. Anything interesting happened to you this week? No, I'm pretty slow, guys. Trying to figure <laughs> out what, what to write about. I don't know how, how you guys' weeks are going. <laughs> hey, it, our week is, is going great. Uh, I know it's not going terrific for the Jazz at the moment, but playoff basketball, as you know, is is super, super fun. But uh, you, you've, sure. we've been following your reporting closely, uh, talking about the Mavericks, and I'm kind of trying to think of the best place to start with it all. So maybe I'll ask just that. Take us to the to the start, uh, reporting this story and, and how it has generated so much fallout. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly it's funny. I was sitting here chatting with my wife for a second, and she's kind of seen all the different, you know, ups and downs of doing this job over the years. And, and I always think back to as far as, like, crazy days on the job, you know, and I had one year broken the Dwight Howard free agency move, and, you know, and, and then his agent, the late Dan Fagan, had called me out on it, and it was all this chaos. Like, that was always the uh, the wildest day on the gig and, and this is probably up there. Um, it's not just one day though. It's obviously been a couple of days here. We, we were obviously well aware of the issues happening within the Mavs and truthfully had been putting a story together for quite some time on those issues and deciding what to use, what not to use and continuing to make phone calls and decide what to go with. Um, and then when they lose in the playoff series, naturally you're going to, you know, start getting closer to, to running something, but did not anticipate this. I mean, Donnie Nelson, you know, being fired with Carlisle leaving, um, just the entire Mavericks operation being turned on its head is, is pretty wild. So, Sam, well, we would recommend all our listeners uh, check out what you've written. But can you sort of summarize for those who have not seen it, uh, what, I mean, what caused the problem here um i I mean it's funny because you guys know the nba well you know like internal power structures and how like what what a healthy dynamic is and what maybe an unhealthy dynamic is and i say that because it's like there's there's you know there's people within every organization where you know they might bring something to the table of value in whatever role they're given but it, it is fairly important 
for folks to, to have like a, some clarity about um, roles, clarity about influence, clarity about who's got the final call and communication structures and things like that. So what we had shed light on on Monday was that the Mavericks for years have had a guy named uh, that people call him Bob. His real name is Harala Bob Bulgaris, who is a professional gambler, which honestly, guys, we, we haven't even hit on that enough. Like, I think that is a big part of the story is he's, he's somebody who made a lot of Mavericks employees uncomfortable from the get-go for the simple fact that he came from the gambling world. So uh, a, a very wealthy guy, a professional gambler, who had shown a, an ability to be strong on the analytics front and to break down the game in the kind of way that Mark Cuban, the Mavericks owner, thought was valuable. So formally, he gets added to the team in 2018. He was working essentially on contract even before that. And he's been there for a minute. But you know what we had finally decided to report was that his influence had continued to grow to the point where other teams were sharing that you know, trade calls were happening with him and not Donnie Nelson, or maybe both. And the you know that clarity of roles that I talked about before wasn't there. Um, Donnie was definitely not feeling um, the, you know this development. Nor was Rick Carlisle, who would would have a lot of pressure from um, Bulgaris and, and by proxy Cuban. You know, rotations getting impacted during key playoff games, game plans being set, and and so. It's again that that's all fine if there's synergy and everybody's believing in one another, but but Volgaris uh, is just not well liked within the organization, and so the development this week was that that rather than you know listen to a lot of the employees and and really Donnie who went to to Mark and told him about his concerns, uh, Mark went the other way and Donnie was fired and 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 then Rick you know followed him out the door. So I guess I want to ask uh, about you, Sam, because it's been an interesting week. Mark Cuban's reaction to your reporting on Monday was to uh, use a naughty word and call it uh, and call it BS. But then the fallout from it is what you just described. They part ways with their president of basketball operations and uh, their head coach. And, uh, you know, that's that's pretty significant. So I guess. From your perspective, what's it like to have somebody like Mark Cuban and he use his platform to say that? But then, you know, uh, the the fall. If it were BS, I guess why the fallout? I mean, what what's been that like, been like from your perspective? Um, it's kind of I keep just saying it's you know maybe in my younger years it would have made me lose some sleep, but I mean it was. I'm not trying to play it cool, but it, it we listen. We felt. Uh, incredibly good about the reporting. This is one of those stories that Gordon, like I always kind of say, you can relate. You've been you've been through these experiences. Like you, um, it's one of those stories that you're just in the end you're relieved that nobody else got to it, and you're kind of shocked by that because it's you know really wasn't. I'm not trying to take away from the reporting, but it wasn't. You know, it was a pretty badly kept secret and something that a lot of people were. Uh, wanting to be known publicly. So I was not surprised by Mark's handling of it. Um, he's, I mean, I like Mark. He's, he's also had a track record the last couple of years of denying right out of the gate and then eventually looking in the mirror and figuring out, you know, the different stuff. I mean, listen, this stuff a couple of years ago was far more serious than this basketball story. But I do think some of the themes remain in terms of their culture and his management style and things like that. So, it, you know, I mean, 
again, not trying to be funny, I, my real reaction was, thanks for sharing the story with your 8.4 million followers, Mark. <laughs> I appreciate it. You know, <laughs> So it was fine. How long before Rick Carlisle's coaching somewhere else, Sam? It's just a matter of, um, of of who, you know, where he falls on everybody's list. You know, the ones to watch is in, in Boston, where he obviously has um, history as a player out there. Um, that That's a fascinating one because I don't know, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But to this point, you had heard that the Celtics really valued him and wanted to have more diversity on their staff and that it would probably be, uh, you know, a coach of color. Um, not that that was the only factor by any means, but that it was something they were going to prioritize. And Rick wouldn't check that box, obviously, but um, I wonder if they'll give him a serious look. Um, Milwaukee is another one where tonight's game is going to loom large again for Mike Budenholzer and the question of uh, is he going to be out if they fall short because there certainly has been chatter about the Bucks having interest in Carlisle if he did become available. I mean, there was this thing where a lot of teams and around the league, people thought Rick might be on the move. We, you know, we haven't even gotten into this, but, like, you know, Luka Doncic has been pretty frustrated with Rick for quite some time. And I think that part of I haven't talked to Rick or gotten clarity, but if I had to guess, if you're Rick, you're saying, okay, I already know the star players sideways with me, but at least I had the GM having my back. Now the GM's gone. So I think that probably played a part. But, um, you know, Milwaukee and Boston are the ones that come to mind the most. But he's season championship coach, you know, who's got a very good reputation. And, you know, he should be on everybody's list. So, Sam, uh, from your reporting on Monday, uh, you uh, you and Tim seem to indicate that, uh, that Luca's relationship with Bob uh, is not all that terrific either. So, it, with that in mind, could this be an interesting situation to follow from a player empowerment standpoint? I mean, uh, Luca's going to sign that that Supermax extension because that's the best financial thing to do. But as we've come to learn, you know, the minute he says, you know what, I don't want to play any uh, play here anymore you know, Dallas is going to have to comply. So are they going to have to, I guess, navigate some, some rough waters here to hang on to a generational player? Possibly. You know, I think it's going to be, you know, it's just it's going to have to come in phases, meaning that, you know, the Carlisle move, now again, you know, what's been reported, what we've heard is that he did leave, you know, and it's his choice. And so, but you do kind of look at that and go, all right, if we're being honest, Luke is probably happy about that. And I don't, but I don't know who they're going to give the job to. Jamal Mosley was one of Rick's assistants who has got a fantastic relationship with Luca. And, you know, there were a lot of rumors about Luca wanting Jamal to be the coach. And so we'll see who, who fills that role. But I think that's a positive. Rick being gone is probably a positive for the Luca dynamic. Um, then you're going to wait and see who do you let run the front office. Although those two things are going to happen, I think, the other way around front office first and then coach. But what does Luca think of that person? You know, we wrote a bit about Michael Finley, the former Mav. You know, again, great reputation. Uh, you know, I, I don't know a ton about what people think of the job he's done in an executive um, role, but I think that you could win the press conference with a move like that, and, and maybe you'll be on your way. So uh, it's kind of like when we went into this off season for the teams that have lost, one person who – is as good as any on the Luca front in terms of knowing how he might see things, had put it this way to me with the Mavs. They said, everybody's on notice. And that was before our story. That was before Donnie. That was before Carlisle. 
and that's been stuck in my head. Everybody's on notice. So it's like, all right, well, that, that did bear out, and now two of them are gone, and, uh, and I don't think that that reality has changed. So, Sam, uh, Jake and I were talking earlier about the Jazz's chances after what happened last night, uh, and now that Kawhi is out, uh, of their, what are the chances that they can win two in a row against this Clippers team uh, down there in L.A.? And then if they win that back in, in Salt Lake City, uh, what are the odds? It'll be tough. I mean, I, I feel for their group right now because, you know, last night's game, just a matter of, you know, whose perspective you want to look at it through. If you're if you're a Clipper fan, you're not really spending too much time thinking about the Jazz. You're just impressed with Paul George and, you know, his one night of redemption, all this criticism about playoff P. And that was, you know, I mean, I might have reason to be biased, but that's definitely on Paul's short list of best playoff performances of his career and, and really cuts into that narrative, again, if only for a night, that he's not a big-time performer. I mean, you lost your wingman. And uh, and did those kinds of things. That's impressive. And it's like you know you know who else can relate is Donovan Mitchell because that's what he was doing earlier in the series. Now of course is is struggling to stay at that same pace. You know as they continue to play without Mike Conley, it just I mean it, sports will always surprise you. So maybe it flips the other way. But even with Kawhi out, and if you're asking me to you know evaluate body language and vibe and spirit and the way that both teams are competing. It certainly seems like the Clippers have just decided that even being undermanned, that they're uh, they're ready to go to the conference finals. So tough spot for the Jazz because this is this is a great opportunity. You know, there's not many like postseasons where it's this wide open, where you don't have to run into all of the big boys, the LeBrons and the Stephs, uh, like you do in most years. And so if it continues going down this road and it's comes to an end, then, you know, it's going to be, I think, a tough memory for them to, uh, to sit on. So uh, Chris Paul uh, is entering the COVID protocols, and I guess we're going to find out exactly how long he's going to be out coming up. But uh, your thoughts on that situation and walk us through it. How much time is he looking at possibly having to sit? I don't have a ton of clarity on it. I mean, you know, it's, it's such a tricky one because um, – you know, I was watching the jump yesterday on ESPN and, you know, a couple of good reporters who are friends, Ramona Shelburne and Mark Spears were on there talking about it. And uh, But Matt Barnes was on the show too, and Matt had shared that he called Chris and, and confirmed a couple of things. Like they had already said that, you know, Chris tested positive. Um, but then Matt had said that, that Chris indicated that he'd been vaccinated. And so then it's like, man, you have a breakthrough positive test um, that that uh, you know conceivably would shorten the protocol time. If you can turn two negative tests in the next couple of days, if you can pass the hard tests that come as part of the protocol as well, then who knows? Maybe he doesn't miss any time if the Clippers-Jazz series goes to seven games, or maybe he just misses one game. But I, truthfully, I, I don't really. Uh, I don't have clarity there at all. I just I feel bad for him because you know the guy had already gotten over the shoulder injury and and had a fantastic finish to the Denver series, and it was kind of sizing up to be a lot of fun in the conference finals, whoever they played against, and it would be super unfortunate if he wasn't out there. So 
Sam, we all get these uh, these reports from the Wizards in Vegas, as Jake likes to call them, about the odds on certain things happening and whatnot. And I just noticed in this last one uh, that we got, uh, it talks about the odds as far as the Celtics' next head coach, the Pelicans' next head coach, the Wizards' head coach. And there, there Becky Hammond is on each one of those lists. And I'm curious from you, to hear from you, is the NBA ready to have a female head coach? Um, I think it's a weird answer. I think the NBA is, but I don't necessarily think that means that an individual organization is this offseason. I could be wrong. I just, it feels like this thing's going to come in phases. It's going to be Becky Hammond gets on a bench, and that's historic news, and she does that for a few years, and then some other women follow suit and get good opportunities and make the most of them and, you know, show everybody that this is probably how it should have been quite some time ago. And then those women, a lot of the better ones, become candidates. But, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm not hearing that it feels like it would take an organization that, you know, that has a vacancy right now and that has behind the scenes, uh, you know, decided they're going to commit to hiring the best woman to, to kind of go try to go down that road. And I'm not hearing that. doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, if it did happen, there's part of me also that says I'm not necessarily sure. You know, I, I very much think it could be somebody other than Becky Hammond who gets that first head coaching job. Um, you know, some of the names out there now, Don Staley getting an interview in Portland. Uh, Kara Lawson is one that, I always kind of go back to because when she became, you know, and this is former Sacramento Monarchs player, you know, from Tennessee, um, coaching at Duke now, but former Boston Celtics assistant coach, I, you know, she, she just did an incredible job in Boston. And what got my attention was like, man, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, all of them, like these guys are loving her and like, listening to her and respecting her and praising her and all these things. And that's the kind of like vibe and dynamic it's going to take. And, you know, so I think Kara very well could wind up eventually being a uh, head coach herself. So we'll see. But I, I, as far as handicapping it now, I think, you know, it's probably a bunch of organizations looking at each other kind of saying, well, who's going to jump first? Yeah. She has the second best odds Kara does uh, for that Celtics job according to this list, behind only Chauncey Billups. So, we'll right. See. Although Carlisle might be in the mix there, like oh, you said yeah. earlier. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but for sure. Well, Sam, thank you very much for jumping on with us uh, again. Great, great reporting. You and Tim have just done a, an unbelievable job on this Maverick story. And it was uh, somehow we find the perfect days to have you on. And uh, today <laughs> was certainly one of those. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Talk to you next week. Right, thanks, thanks Sam. Sam. All right, uh, check it out, theathletic.com. And, uh, yeah, like I said, he and Tim have a few um, articles up at The Athletic about this uh, uh, this uh, Maverick situation. In fact, you can kind of watch it unfold story by story. It's pretty, pretty darn fascinating. So as you have ascertained what you have gotten – Whose fault is this? Rasputin's. It, uh, uh, just, <clears throat> I mean, you think that's categorical, uh, indisputable? 
Bob is what they're calling him because his name is difficult to pronounce. But Bob, <laughs> I like Rasputin, but we'll we'll go with Bob. I, I no, I mean you know somebody else has Mark Cuban's ear. You know Don Nelson had Mark Cuban's ear when they when he initially got the Mavericks and got into the NBA. You know Donnie Nelson had Mark Cuban's ear. Rick Carlisle had Mark Cuban's ear. I'm sure. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki, whatever, you know, the voices inside that Mavericks organization, and somebody else now has Mark Cuban's ear. I am with Sam, by the way. The, the, his relationship with gambling would make me... Well, Sam Sam mentioned that there are people in the franchise that were uncomfortable yes. with his reputation uh-huh. with gambling. I, I would certainly agree with that. You don't want to let a fox in the hen house. I mean, that... <laughs> You know, yeah. the, the the legitimacy of the NBA is very important for a lot of reasons. And if you let that through the door in some inside way, it could really, really affect the entire sport. The thing sport, about so. that is that uh, I, I just don't think Cuban is an idiot. Uh, and that wouldn't he have vetted that and figured that out? Uh, I don't know, Gordon. People do peculiar things. Yeah, that's true. They They... They listen to folks. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm guilty of this. Listen to people that they probably shouldn't be listening to, present company included. <laughs> yeah, that's probably been true on a couple of occasions, yeah. Well, listen up now. We are at the Warehouse 1825 South, 300 West. Our friend Clayton is jumping on with us once again, and you're going to want to listen up because Clayton's putting deals out there that you literally can't find anywhere else on the planet. That's right, Jake. Last break, I talked about the king-size adjustable base with the free matches purchase. And this time, I want to talk about the queen head-up-only adjustable base. Now, let's say, you know, you don't have have a king-size bed. You have a queen-size bed. We're also doing a deal for Father's Day on the queen-size as well. And the queen-size is interesting because on the queen, I just got in an entire bedroom set. So if you're just moving into town, you just got a new house, or you have a uh, a guest bedroom and you want to throw a, a nice bed in there, I just got in a brand new queen cherry bedroom, entire bedroom set, uh, sleigh bed, the dresser, the mirror, and the chest, and I'm doing the entire package. That is the queen adjustable base. And with that adjustable base, head-up only purchase, you get a free 10-inch gel memory foam mattress for free. You buy the base, I give it to you for free for $8.99. Plus, if you come in and mention you heard us on the radio, I got the queen cherry sleigh bed, the dresser, the mirror, and the chest regularly $19.99. And I have that for thirteen ninety nine at the boom price. Listen, if you come in and mention that you heard us on the radio for Father's Day, you can get the queen head-up adjustable base with the free mattress, the entire bedroom set for $21.99. Let's say you have a guest bedroom, like I said, or let's say you and your partner, your special, or just you, you're listening, you're a sports fan, just you have a queen-size bed. You need the entire bedroom set. You need, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. $21.99 gets you everything. Gets you a bed, gets you a dresser, gets you a mirror. Also gets you a chest and gets you that base and free mattress. Only at the warehouse. 
this weekend while supplies last. Come in, ask for Mike or Matt, and we'll take care of you. Boom. There it is. Take advantage of it. Thank you, Clayton. It's Thank the warehouse. Guys. 1825 South, 300 West. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. We'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The- what time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, this is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point belt. Well, the Jazz backs are up against the wall now after losing last night in Game 5 to the L.A. Clippers, 119-111. to The Clippers now own a three-games-to-two advantage in the series. Rudy Gobert talked about mentally preparing for Game 6 in L.A. I mean, we got to win. <laughs> we got to get that, get out there and uh, do anything we can to put ourselves in a position to win the game. We know that we're going to need a better collective effort than we had tonight. Hopefully, we get more urgency, you know, than the next game because now we, if, we, if we lose, we're going home. So we can't get more urgency than that. Just got to get our mind right. And just get ready to, to get a win over there and see what happens. Tip-off uh, for Game 6 coming your way tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage on the Plaza out front of Vivint Arena will begin at 6. This playoff update brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks. You can't stop me now. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at SNS Roofing. Is your locally owned and operate, uh, excuse me, locally owned roof repair experts for a free quote and for all your roofing needs, go to SNS Roofing. Gordon, we're live at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. I, I'm going to ask you a question that's right up your alley, Gordon, because we accuse you of uh, dwelling on the negative, and that is 100% true. Absolutely so with, not. With that in mind, which was the more epic collapse? The Bucks <laughs> against the Nets, what was that, two nights ago? Yeah. Where they blew that lead, Kevin Durant had that historic game, and mm-hmm. the Nets come away with the win. Or the 76ers yeah. blowing their lead to Atlanta last night, and the Hawks finding a way to beat the one seed in the East. I would go with that one. The Bucks one was pretty epic. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. It, it's so epic that it may cost Budenholzer his job, which yeah. we talked to Sam about in the mm-hmm. last segment. Um, but people are grumpy with Doc Rivers in Philly, too. So, yeah, yeah. Um, What were they down, 26? And, come, and Atlanta comes back to win. Yeah, that's pretty. That is epic. Uh, I, I, I'll go with that one. You know, I think you know that performance by Kevin Durant was amazing. Was special. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll go with you on Philly too. And here's here's the concerning part if you're a 76ers fan is that Ben Simmons is such a flawed player. He's <laughs> yeah. basically ineffective in the fourth quarter. Why is that? Cuz he can't shoot. So you don't have to guard him. And what's worse, you can foul him all you want. 
He's not going to he, he step does, up and he make does struggle. He's not going to step up and make foul shots. So, in a sense, the Sixers are playing four on five on the offensive well, end down they, the stretch in the fourth they, quarter. Can't they utilize him closer to the basket? Yeah, he and Joel can both high five each other I, when I, when they're down there because that was Embiid's complaint yeah, about Ben that's Simmons. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Is that Embiid can't play his game because Ben Simmons stinks? <laughs> because Ben is circling around the same area. I'll I'll I'll, hand, I'll, I'll give Ben Simmons something. He's one heck of a self promoter. But outside of that, <laughs> you're still bitter about the whole Donovan. Mitchell I'm not bitter about there. anything. I I thought Donovan deserved it then, and I think he deserves it now. I uh, you, what bothers me about Ben Simmons is he gets a, all this credit for really not having done anything. <laughs> And having a significant flaw in his game that everybody seems blind to. Like, you know, uh, yeah, oh, Ben Simmons is this unbelievably epic player. Uh, hands down, rookie of the year, incredible. Yeah, he might he might be uh, really terrible at the game's most important skill. But, <laughs> but ignore that fact. Just just put that aside for a moment. And let's talk about how great he is. I, I, it, he's evidence of how the narrative isn't always right. Okay, so do you make space for the fact that you could be wrong? Never. <laughs> because wrong about what? Him- there's a lot of basketball people who really like Ben Simmons, and they recognize his weakness. They know that he can't shoot from the perimeter, but they still think he's great. And then they cash their paycheck from Clutch <laughs> and go have a, have a nice dinner. Not everybody who likes Ben Simmons is on the tape. No, I know. And, and listen, not everybody evaluates players in the same way. That's part of my thing. I don't understand how uh, these people you're talking about, these pundits, these experts, could watch him, see that hole in his game, and think, oh, he's still good. The Sixers can't play him in the fourth quarter. How are you a star when you are a liability to your team in the fourth quarter? <laughs> it is it, uh... To make a a jazz point real quick here, that is exactly what motivated Rudy Gobert to learn how to catch, to learn how to not foul, and to learn how to make foul shots. Because he knew that the team could not play him in the fourth quarter unless he solved those problems. So every offseason we hear that Ben Simmons is working on his weaknesses. I know, and then these grainy videos of him practicing and making (laughs) one three come out, and everybody goes, see, problem solved. (laughs) If, if I were him and I had his ability, his abilities to do what he does well, I would be busting my hump in that gym every single day. Because think about how good he could be if he did develop that shot. Or you could not lift a finger in the offseason and just continue to tell everybody how good you are. And they believe you for <laughs> some reason. And they make a bunch of money. And they believe you for some reason. I don't know what to tell you. I agree I, I, with you. I, I agree with you. It is a major, major weakness when you play, when you're a, a perimeter player and you can't shoot. So, I, I, listen, it's, it's in the modern NBA, you have to be able to shoot or you're not going to be a superstar or you've got to be a center. It's the only position on the floor where it's not a requirement. And even then, it's becoming a requirement. Yeah, for a lot true. of bigs, for a lot you know. Of them, yeah. So, so why? I mean, maybe we get stuck in this old school mentality where there were lots of players back in the day who couldn't shoot a lick, but were still superstars. I, it, it's just not the case anymore f- for a player outside of a center. Honestly, 
Well, see, the thing about this is, Jake, that it eventually works. Uh, I mean, the truth comes to the surface. And if this happens on the reg, I think uh, it's going to dawn on people that that's more than just a, a mild little thing, weakness that needs to be worked on. It will It will be seen for what it is, regardless of how much you talk about how great you are. But it still is amazing. That he was a, the the all defensive team came out and Ben Simmons was on it. It's amazing how he's been able to talk himself up so much that people believe it. You don't think he's a good defender? I think he's the third best defender on his own team, behind Embiid and who else? And Thibault. Oh, well, that that, that is true. That is true. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could argue with you. But, but yeah. you get reporters in front of you every night and be like, I am the best defensive player in the league. And those reporters go, is that true? <laughs> I guess he wouldn't be saying it if it wasn't true. Let's run with it. Call my editor. <laughs> You're blaming it on the reporters. <laughs> well, where did these narratives come from? Really? And he did. He did a campaign for it okay, all year on. long. Hold on. Who tends to use more hyperbole, the the writers or the broadcasters? Oh, I lump them all into the same category. Uh, I'm, I'm not discriminating I, for medium. I think it's the broadcasters. I think it's all of them. Yeah, I all do. Right. I think it's all of them. And and listen, Ben Simmons had the hype train going before he even got to LSU because he was one of LeBron's guys. And again, I keep referencing that piece in the New Yorker on Rich Paul, but I, it is absolutely fascinating. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've, they're honestly figuring out uh, new ways to market players. And, and this player empowerment thing is really, really real. And, and Ben Simmons was a, a marketed commodity before he even got to college. He played at LSU. What nice basketball school, you know? <laughs> Well, it is more so now than it used to be. All this going on. Yeah, yeah, right. He played for the right coach. Exactly. Yeah, yeah no, I hear you. Okay, so if we're going to criticize Ben Simmons for what's happening in Philly, what do we do with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell here in Utah? If what? they get, and, and and I get the Clippers are really good, but the version of the Clippers last night without their best player might have been could have maybe been bent around in a different direction had the Jazz done things differently. Okay, okay. But, but natural criticism comes when guys can't get the job done. And I don't know, maybe they will win the okay, next so, two games. I, I, I wouldn't bet that way. But if it happens, I'll eat my words. But right now, it does not look good for the Utah Jazz. Other than the criticism that they're the leaders on the team and the team is down in the series. What is there specifically to criticize about those two players right now? And I'm not that's not a leaded question. I'm I'm genuinely curious to your response. They're not winning? Well, aside, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Aside from that, yeah. what, I, oh, mean, I mean criticism about what where's the criticism? Uh well, you know, this is tricky because how much how much do you take into account Donovan's dinged wheel? I mean, that's not his fault. In fact, I think it's a credit to him that he's willing to continue to play and play as hard as he can, even when he's not. Some players wouldn't be playing right now. So it's a credit to him, but that was not a particularly efficient game last night. So shooting efficiency? I just mean efficiency all the way around. 
as far as ball movement goes and as far as presence on the floor, as far as taking control of that game, grabbing it by the throat and bringing it home. Uh, none of that took place. And, uh, I mean, Donovan, he launched a couple of air balls there down the stretch. Okay, so Rudy. Um, uh, well, it's tricky because even though the defense sucked over stretches, I, I can't really blame Rudy for that. But if you're a superstar player, I agree with Shaq from this standpoint. If you're a superstar, you got to lead your team to victory. I don't care what happens. You know, it's it's your responsibility as a star. And so... That, I know, but that's such an easy I know it is, but that's why I was looking for something specific. But it's true, right? I mean, look at Kawhi Leonard. Uh, when, he, when he won a title with the Spurs, everyone's going, well, he's got a lot of good help around him. He goes to Toronto and wins another title. That, that was, was a pretty good team. It was, was a good team, team, but he was the undisputed leader in that group, and he... Without him, it just does not happen. So, okay, but that, but that's why I wanted specifics because I wonder how much criticism is, and and if Donovan uh, being hurt is an excuse, can you really criticize him for not winning? Okay, but but, but here, let me get. I've okay. got specific right. criticisms. And uh, all right, can I why? add one thing before you do that? Because think about uh, people say, well, they're not getting enough help from their teammates. You got two guys who are the leading candidates in the winner of the six man award of the year award. So it's like, wait a minute, something's amiss here. So my specific criticism for Donovan Mitchell would be his reads. Yeah, and I think this is similar to what you were talking about with efficiency. We're probably just using somewhat different verbiage here, but the the decision. So if the Clippers want to game plan specifically to stop Donovan Mitchell. How does he react, and where does the ball go from there? He delivers the ball accurately and timely. When does he split the double? When does he step back and pass? Uh-huh. I mean, those decisions, I don't think he's been – I mean, it's impossible to be uh, 100% of the time make the right read, but I'm, I think that that could have been better. That would be my criticism to Donovan Mitchell. My criticism to Rudy, and this one's a little bit more vague, so I, I apologize for it, but uh, I think you'll agree with it. You cannot allow the other team to defend you with a small person. (laughs) And the answer to this is more complicated than I'm leading on, and I realize that. But if they're going to try and guard Rudy with Nicholas Batum, Mm -hmm. they have to pay. If they're going to play that five-out lineup with smaller players and switch everything, they have to pay. And I don't know if they go back to the drawing board on a post move with Rudy. I don't know if they they run pick and rolls from different angles. You know, it'd be really curious to sit down and have a long form conversation with the coach about that. You know, if they ever let us interview Alex Jensen, I'd love. I bet we could talk to him an hour about that. But they've got to figure out one way or another when the Clippers think, "I know, I have an idea. Let's put Batum out there on Rudy." You've got to make them regret that decision. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a team back in the day putting a, a six-five guy on Carl Malone, <laughs> trying to get away with putting a wing on Carl? And that's unfair because Carl is one of the best offensive players in history. Yeah. But I'm being extreme to, mm-hmm. to prove a point. I think you would probably agree with what I'm saying. So they need to go back to the drawing board and figure out what do we need to add to Rudy's game. So when a team dares to do this, mm-hmm. they're going to regret it. Especially when the team you're playing has long defenders who seem to be able 
to anticipate the passes into the pivot. Listen, pa- Patrick Beverly, uh, Terrence Mann, they, they, the others all got switched onto Rudy at some point uh, last night during the game. And I was just shocked at how the Jazz didn't even look at Rudy. And when Rudy did get the opportunity, for some reason, he, either he got the ball too far out on the floor right. and was forced to dribble, mm-hmm. or he tried to do those those weird moves as opposed to being aggressive. And that's the couple of times during the game they actually found him. They they have to game plan for that. Yeah. When Rudy gets that switch, that needs there needs to be a trigger. That goes, okay, well, the big man needs the ball because he's going to go dunk on on a smaller guy. It's he's, physics. But you just talked about it. If he's eight feet from the basket, he doesn't have the handle to See, get from there to the to the area where he can be effective. See, that is, that's his teammates, though, because Donovan's done that a couple of times this series, and I'm, I'm not trying to get after Donovan, but he throws that bounce pass to Rudy who catches yeah. it, a free throw line extended, What's he supposed to do? Yeah. There have been a couple times when if if Donovan had dribbled two more times or one more time, he would have been able to get Rudy in a more effective spot. But, uh, yeah, I'm hearing what you're saying, and I agree with you. All right, coming up next, we have the Not Sports Report uh, straight ahead. Uh, Tim Lacombe will join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. Price is so low to blow your mind. It is time for the Not Sports Report, brought by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used, ve- used vehicles in inventory. Check them out online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to India. Uh, Jake, this is a scary story but one that is almost biblical. In fact, it is biblical. Which version? (laughs) Let me just tell you what happened. Apparently, and and you can relate to this, a 21-day-old infant was heard crying by a boatman who found the infant in a wooden box floating down the, how do you say it, the Ganges River? Is that how you say Ganges? That? Ganges River in India. Like Moses style? Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the baby was found to be crying but healthy. And they even have video of this, how they found it and brought it to shore. And uh, it was, the, the infant was found, it was found wrapped in a red scarf inside a box decorated with images of the Hindu gods Vishnu and Durga. Do you know anything about that? I think it's Vishnu, but yeah. All right, well, I don't know anything about it. And so investigators uh, don't know where this baby came from. (laughs) They don't know what happened here. Apparently, there's a problem in in uh, in India, 
as far as uh, uh, these kinds of motives about uh, female infanticide rates uh, where they're among the highest in the world. And so anyway, I I just saw that story and I said, okay, that's something you don't see every day. Uh, the, uh, The boatman apparently was rewarded with a house and other state benefits. Uh, so before his matchless example of humanity in saving the little girl, man, I'll tell you, that's, that's, I, I, I know we like to have fun with the not sports report, Jake, and we come up with some pretty crazy stuff. But when I think about the, the children of the world who are mistreated or for whatever reason, there are children in pain for abuse or for abandonment, or this kind of thing. Man, it just gets me right here. And I, I, I just don't know what to say or do about it, but it, it hurts. And you know this. When you look at your little, little baby, how, how old is she now, Maggie? Uh, six weeks. I mean, doesn't that get you a little bit when you think about that? Doesn't that even strike in you? Mr. Hard, uh, hard guy over there, doesn't they get you a little bit? Uh, well, I do believe, Gordon, children are the future. <laughs> Teach them well and help them lead the wow. way. Uh, going, come up with that now? Going oh, that's a, downright lyrical. Going a different direction for a second, and then we'll jump out to Clayton. If uh, you were forced to, to set one of your daughters adrift, <laughs> who would it have been? Uh, different ones at different times. <laughs> Depends on the age. <laughs> All right, we're live at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. Set a drift on memory bliss, baby. <laughs> Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, our good friend Clayton, who is blowing minds with, I don't know, I don't know if I've heard you have better deals than these this weekend, Clayton. Hey, well, you know, being Father's Day and a weekend, we did an awesome thing for Mother's Day. So we have to do some cool things for, for fathers and respect uh, the patriarchs here in our homes as well. And um, I also wanted to give a special uh, thank you and shout out to, to all the people that have continually sent messages, came into the store and asked. Uh, just a little quick update on my dad. You know, he's still, unfortunately, still struggling 122 days now in the hospital. And, and we're so grateful and, and thankful for all the love and support from the 1280 fan and in, in kind of that spirit of Father's Day, you know, we, we're here selling furniture. And it's never been a better time to to get furniture. As we know, the economy's crazy right now. Everything seems so expensive and, you know, there's, there's access to buy, 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 buy. And we've been able to get some deals and, I have some I have some recliners and what's more what's more Father's Day appropriate than a recliner? <laughs> Think about your dad, you know, sitting in the room in, in the living room, family room, whatever it may be with a recliner watching the game. There's nothing more sports radio game fathers than, than a recliner. We got some special awesome deals on these recliners. Normally you can get a nice recliner. Uh, you know, maybe for the 99 and my competitor right next door, uh, you know, a couple of days ago we went and checked out. They have a couple on sale for 499 for Father's Day. While supplies lack, I have recliners starting at 289 
It's an incredible deal. I don't have a ton of them, but I do have enough where you can come and make a selection. We do have inventory. Come in, look at them. If you like it, buy it, take it today. We have inventory. We have stock. That's the best thing about having a mom pop shop right now. You come in, you look at it, you like it, pay for it, take it. Recliners starting at two eighty nine. I also have uh, sofa and love seat with there, or your choice of a sectional starting at five ninety nine. I have some awesome deals this weekend for Father's Day. If you're thinking about something. You haven't figured out what you're going to get your dad or your husband or, you know, grandpa in this case. Come into the warehouse. We would love to earn your business. I'll finish off with, with, a, with a bunk bed deal because, you know, if you're a dad, you probably had kids. So we got in some of those classic metal twin, twin over twin bunk beds, normally $5.99. Maybe find them online for $4.99, $3.99. While supplies last, I'm going to sell these for 215 bucks. I've lowered it. Last time I said uh, 229, nah, I'm lowering it. We're going 215 on these twin over twin metal bunk beds. We have two colors to come in and choose from. We'll wait for you guys. We'd love to earn your business. Boom. All right. Take advantage of it. Thanks, Clayton. Thank you. There you go. That's Clayton from the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. Definitely good to get an update on our guy, Tom, as well. Oh, yeah. uh, shout out and thanks to all the listeners who've dropped by and expressed their concern. Uh, you know, we're uh, uh, happy that uh, we had a little bit of a positive update today, although it sounds like still fighting. Still, uh, still a ways to go. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we'll get to more coming up next, live from the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. Tim Lacombe jumps on the show straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Tomorrow. This is what I made up. This is for the throne in the kingdom. Oh, Donovan Mitchell! Do or die, do or now, do believe it. The Utah Jazz, the L.A. Clippers. They'll show up for this game. Game six. The Jazz Live pregame show kicks off at six. With tip-off at eight. On your home for Utah Jazz basketball. 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.